Wife? Yes. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> wife? Yes. What do you like? What do you say when I say wife? If I, if I, you, you know I'm about to ask a dumb question. I say wife, and you say what? Or husband? <laughs> it's usually what. <laughs> let me ask, let me tell you. First of all, I'm gonna need you to do something that you are not entirely comfortable with. You are gonna need to take a compliment. All right. Okay. So we've been in lockdown for a couple months now, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, four months now, and uh, you, you you have blossomed in the kitchen. You were you've always been a fantastic cook the whole time we've been married. It's been a delight. It's been a, a just a a wonderful culinary tour for me. <laughs> uh, but you're always experimenting in the kitchen. You are wonderful at it, and you were dare I say gotten even better. Thank you. Over the last few months. But it, I mean, let's be honest, it's hard because you do most of the cooking. Right? right. Back when we lived in our old place, summertime would come and it would be my turn to grill and I'd go outside and I'd grill some stuff and, and that was fun. But then you got into grilling. You you kind of took over for me. So now I don't even grill that ever anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say that much. But uh, you're good at it. Dare I say you might even be better than me. At most of the stuff that that you grill, um, but uh, but you know what? It would be nice to take a break, wouldn't it? It would. It would be nice to not have to cook all the time. True. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things out there that you know people are are doing a lot of takeout. There are people, there are people, you know, DoorDash is going crazy. All you know, Postmates, all that stuff. Um, and there's a lot of nice restaurants doing curbside service. Um, but sometimes you want to take it a little higher. And uh, in the spirit of that, I wanted to make our listeners aware of today's unofficial sponsor of the podcast. It's weird that we're doing a commercial ahead of the podcast, but we are. We're gonna. People are suckered in. They thought they were going to hear the next edition of the Digital Movie Club, and they listen to a commercial. But I will tell you, this commercial is uh, for something that I think is fantastic. Um, I happen to know. Uh, the person in charge of this um, project, and they are a person I know who puts a lot of pride in their work. Um, they are a person who has a lot of passion for what they do, and they are a person who I have sampled their wares, and I can tell you <laughs> I will highly recommend. It is called Project 5100, 50-100. In other words, uh, you do 50% of the work, you get 100% of the credit. And the way it works is, uh, let me let me read you the... Let me read you the copy from the web's the website. Project 5100 provides fresh, locally sourced, complete completely scratch meals whether you're looking for a cozy night in, a romantic dinner, or catering a large party. Uh, they offer two packages, the Golden State series, uh, the 5100 Supper Club, as well as options for catering. All meals come prepared, ready to be finished by you with written instructions so that they are hot at the table. Uh, so basically, what it is is Chef Jeremy spent is just Chef Jeremy Fox is who we're talking about. He spent a lot of time catering events, and what he would do is he would have the meals prepped beforehand so that he wouldn't have to spend all day cooking in someone's house. He would show up with these meals prepped, get them ready in the get them ready in the oven, and then serve the meal for whatever the event was. And so he thought, wouldn't it be nice for people to be able to do this in their own home? So it's a little bit different than. Let's say, you know, some of the meal subscription services where you're bringing in, you know, 
raw ingredients and there's some room for error. Like I would be terrible at those. Like I would order one of you. I would order one of those for you, thinking, "Oh, this will be great because we're gonna. It's gonna be a nice treat." But you still have to cook it, <laughs> right? You still have to cook it, right? So that's that's no treat. But with uh, Project Fifty One Hundred, everything comes ready. Uh, there's instructions for you, foolproof instructions. So this is right up my alley, right? Uh, and you just have to, you know, prep it in the oven, and you're ready to go. And it's it, and it's a gourmet meal served, ready to go. So if you have, say it's your birthday, your birthday just passed. We went, we got a great meal. We went, we got a great Greek meal. But wouldn't it have been nice if we could have just stayed home, and then your dumb husband could have <laughs> could have put some of that together? And then, so that's what uh, Chef Jeremy is aiming for. So it's a it's a it's a gourmet experience at home. And all you really have to do is finish. So you get do fifty of the work, fifty percent of the work, one hundred percent of the credit goes to you. Um, they are actually going to be open for business starting. Let me see here on the website. I should have had this ready, and I got away from it. Um, August seventeenth, but pre-order you can start pre-ordering starting August the first. So please, if you want to check them out on the web, it's www.project50. And then the number 100.com. Project 50, number 100.com. Don't put number. Just, <laughs> just Project 50 and then the number 100.com. Check them out. Uh, again, I think this is a great idea. Um, there are different there are different packages. You can you can go on the website and check them all out. Um, and, uh, yeah, give, give Chef Jeremy s- some support because he's a great guy. Uh, so that's Project 5100. Eat great, support local, give back, stay hungry. How's that sound, wife? It sounds good. Maybe maybe we'll do that for you. you tr- do you trust me? Sounds like even I can do it. Sounds like it. All right. Project 5100. Check it out, guys. On with the show. Direct from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Your new favorite podcast. We're back. Jake, John, Justine, Patrick. How you doing, everybody? Hey, you guys. Hey. So good to hear you guys. I'm pretending I haven't been listening to stories for the last... 15 minutes we've been talking about solo shirts and pepperoni nipples and drive-in theaters and a new movie by adam sandberg what i say adam andy sandberg there you go we've been saying adam sandberg this whole time so i think it's okay no it's andy sandberg. Right? yeah and, we've and, been saying adam this whole time andy sandberg great so you would recommend palm springs uh, justine yes where's that Watch available not knowing anything Okay. Hulu. It's on Hulu. All right. And I guess a drive-in. <laughs> One drive-in in City of Industry. A drive-in, guys. A drive-in. So they're showing the city. What if they showed the movie City of Industry at the City of Industry drive-in? What would that, you th- maybe that's the second feature. What would you think of that, John? Maybe something. It's like if you saw Orange County in a movie in or- a movie theater in Orange County. And or you, if you saw Raising Arizona in a theater in Arizona. Oh, and then or in either way, in either case, you're going to get COVID pretty much. Or, or, 
You well, could see the living daylights in a theater in Afghanistan. Wow. <laughs> or Tangier. Or Austria. Or Bratislava. Or Bratislava. That always sounds like a made-up name. Yeah. <laughs> I always laugh when I see that. Is that a real is that a real place? Man. Bratislava. That the whole first third of that movie is very Soviet. Very dreary. But uh, you know, that we're gonna, movie can't be real. We're going to talk about it. Oh, bring, so oh. go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, so Palm Springs because it's an indie movie at Sundance. It's sold for the highest film ever sold at Sundance by sixty nine wow. cents. Sixty nine cents, guys. Up top, nice. up top, everybody. That see, that's the kind of news. Just seen. That's the kind of trivia that we look for on this show. That is good quality reporting. Good. Thank you, Justine. 69 cents. <laughs> and then Hulu also said that in its opening weekend, it hit more hours in the past three days that weekend. So good for them. Beautiful, man. It's a hit. It's impressive. I love it. Guys. Okay. I'm done reporting on it. Guys, uh, Speaking of reporting, we're gonna some sometime during the show we're gonna wedge in a, a sandwich report for my friend Rose. You guys won't be able to hear it live, but uh, have a friend Rose who is a she's a flight attendant. She flies all over the country. She she sent me a message with a really wonderful sandwich report, <laughs> and I, I asked her if I could share it on the podcast because it's really great. So listen in for that sandwich report. I'm gonna drop it in sometime in the next four hours that we'll be recording. So be looking for that. All right, guys? A sandwich report? Sandwich report. euphemism? No, it's a sandwich report. Sandwich she, report. She, re, she reported report about a really good sandwich. She reported about a sandwich that she had in Des Moines, Iowa, John. She reported wow, on two things. Awesome. She reported on two things. I won't ruin the surprise, but you're going to hear it at one point. Okay. You're going to hear it at one point. Uh, also, I want to plug, uh, okay. my, my wife and I did a fantastic podcast yesterday we did a boarding party podcast where we reviewed some of the games we've been playing during the quarantine uh this is the second time we've done one of those so check that out I we started listening oh fantastic we talk about wingspan we talk about isle of cats we talk about tiny towns we talk about back to the future dice game and most importantly we talk about godzilla tokyo clash so check that out it really matters right man it's a good game it is a good game Speaking of good games, who watched that Dodger game last night? Joe Kelly throwing behind, under, on top of, at all the Astros. They didn't take too kindly to it. Maybe next time, don't cheat, guys. Don't cheat. Yeah. <laughs> cheaters never, uh, cheaters never prosper. Yeah, I think yeah. the Dodger game is tied at one-one right now. One all. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, we're here in the bunker, the headquarters. The TV's on behind me. Uh, it's on Animal Crossing right now, but we'll be switching over to that game just to see uh, how everything's going. Uh, Tawny, I made a, I made a mistake last week. I said Tawny was guesting. She is actually. This is a podcast that Tawny is on. It is called Your Favorite Movie Is Racist. Last week they covered Aliens, and this week they are covering The Shining. So hmm. check it out. John is The Shining what racist? Was racist. Listen, don't what ask. Was the, what was racist about The Shining? Don't ask me, John. You got to you got to listen to the podcast. How about that for a tease? Hmm. Hey, so it must have been, yep, must have been something with Scatman Crothers. Maybe he was the voice of mm. jazz on Transformers. Don't know what it was, but uh, they will be discussing it mm. on uh, this week's uh, uh, episode of uh, Your Favorite Movies Racist uh, over at the uh, mm. at the at the. They call themselves Two Blacks and a Mexican over there 
And uh, but check it out. They have a mm-hmm. YouTube channel, and you can get the um, you can get the, the audio version on wherever your finest podcasts are downloaded. You can get, I think they have one on Spotify, uh, Apple. Uh, so check them out. Really good, really great, ins- insightful on aliens because they're all fans. These are movies they are fans of in the first place. So mm. uh, it's really interesting, really interesting take on that. And of course, Tani is always, always uh, interesting. So check that out. Our good friend Tani over there. She's a good egg. She is a good egg. She's one of the best, and she's a huge fan of Alien. She's a huge. I mean, that's her Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? What, John, what do you think? What's your favorite of the Alien films, John? You gonna go the original or you, uh, or you go the first a- two? First two. Fir- I like I like the first two the best. What about what about Fincher? What about three? You don't like three? I'm not big on three. Uh, four is interesting. It's those guys that did uh, City of Lost Children. Yep, those yep. French guys. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Uh, I like the last two. I liked um, uh, Prometheus, and I liked that uh, the last Alien movie. I forget what it was. Alien called. Covenant. But uh, yeah. those were really really good. Yes, I like both of those, and I don't even care for Alien. First of all, hey, there you go. You take part that? of that back. Mm, no. <laughs> take part of that back. What part? <laughs> I mean, said, at least she owns it. Where she said she doesn't really care for Alien. Well, if you like the last two, you, you can't be that uh, have that kind of antith- antithesis. You know, is that word? I feel antith- like it's so different. It's so different from the original. But it was directed and by the same guy. If it's the original guy, it's it's, it's Ridley Scott who did the original. <laughs> so I don't know. He's probably rethought it. He's had forty years to rethink the premise. So you know. Yeah, yeah and I mean, he has. He's able to do the production value he wants. So. I'm sure that factors in. Yeah, although I got to say that first one does not look dated uh, from an effects standpoint. No, it looks great. But uh, well shot. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the few things from like '79 uh, that doesn't look dated. It, it looks pretty much on the money even now. Uh, guys, our unofficial sponsor today, Project Fifty One Hundred. Project Fifty One Hundred. Unofficial sponsor today. Check them out. We dropped a plug in at the start what of the show. That? You'll hear it. It's a plug. Uh, John is basically a meal, kind of like it's not really a meal subscription service. It's a uh, it's run by a chef here in Orange County, Chef Jeremy Fox, and he is uh, he's gonna what he's gonna do is he's gonna prep your meal for you, and you're gonna pick it up. He's gonna mail, he's gonna send it to your house, and all you're gonna have to do is throw it in the oven and finish it. And so you're doing, oh, cool. you're doing 50% of the work, but you're getting 100% of the credit. Hence Project 5100. Yeah, it's gourmet stuff too, really. Uh, he's a he's done a lot of catering work and he, you know, he took his own experience of getting into people's houses and not wanting to spend all day there in their kitchen. So, you know, he'd pre-prep the stuff, take it to someone's house, use the ovens, get everything nice and hot and serve it. And they were talking about gourmet meal stuff. So it's Project 5100. And on some of the packages he has, mm. some of those profits are going to go to... Uh, Different charities. All the food is uh, locally sourced. So uh, check it out. Project, what's, the name re- pro- what's the name referred to? Project 5100. 50% of the work, 100% of the credit. You do 50% of the work, and uh, you get 100% of the credit. How's that? Got it. Yeah, got it, look, it. it looks really good. What's uh, your name? Pre-orders are uh, starting August 1st. You'll hear the plug when we finish the complete show. Uh, but uh, check them out. Project It's Project 5100. Uh, the number 100. Project 50 and then the number 100. So, uh, .com. Check them out. Guess what time it is, guys. Time to get uh, 
time to get ill. Yes, always, always. It is time for the, time? the Digital Movie Club. Are you guys is it excited? Time? It is time for the Digital Movie oh, Club. Oh, yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> I think that was uh, Patrick doing his Ethel Merman impression. There's no business like showbiz. People go buy tickets to see that. There's no business like showbiz. Like- <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, people actually paid money to go see that. Yep. <laughs> that was a great thing to say. Hey, people paid to get tickets for that. You'll be you swell. You'll see. be great. Yeah, that that was uh, yeah that was people paid money entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. You go back far enough, she was like the toast of Broadway, all that Cole Porter stuff. Ugh. You have to go way back, just way back to like the, the 30s, you know. Screaming it at full volume. I know, it's weird. I just always mm-hmm. picture her looking like she did an airplane. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I guess there was a time where she didn't. I guess there, was a, there must have been an era where she was younger. <laughs> uh, it, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Yeah, I mean, anytime you think of her, it's just like, ah, uh, but... You go way back to like 1930. You go, okay. She was once a young woman, but still had that voice. Yeah, <laughs> she was once attractive. I don't know about that, but she was mm. a young woman. No, she was. <laughs> yeah, she was. She had. A, she should. She certainly had a voice. I guess you could say that. She certainly had yeah. a voice. But they, uh, they said they didn't. She didn't need a microphone. She could hit the back, <laughs> the last row of the of the theater, yeah. no problem. I don't. Know? I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. That woman was. A, yeah. She had her own. Uh, uh, she was her own uh, sound system. So, uh, good old yeah. Ethel Merman. God, we miss her, right? <laughs> <laughs> that just sounded sad. I made my own. I made myself laugh. I don't own one uh, Ethel Merman song. John, what do you got in the collection? Yeah. You got any Ethel Merman in there? No, no, no. And I don't regret it. I got some Larry Mission Bud Melman. No, no Ethel Merman. Uh, let's talk about I it, guys. I, I, hey, I, I've got a William Frawley album, but I don't have Ethel Merman. Wow, William Frawley. What's he doing on that album? Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all old vaudeville songs. It's got him on the cover with a straw hat and a striped blazer and a, and a bamboo cane. You can imagine what it sounds like. Good. It's all that, uh, you know. It's him doing Melancholy Baby and all that vaudeville stuff, you know. And uh, in that Fred Mertz voice. Yeah, I mean, you know how he sings on Lucy. He's got this sort of, he's actually got a good singing voice, you know, for that sort of thing. It's crazy. Hello, my honey. Hello, my honey. Yeah. There you go. You know, varsity drag, all that stuff. Oh, okay. How about the Michigan rag? Everybody, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> wrong, uh, wrong, so good, mm-hmm. so good. Uh, let's talk about it, guys. It's movie digital movie club. We had two two hits. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, raising Arizona, the sophomore effort by uh, the Col- the Cohen brothers, and then we've got uh, the Living Daylights, the uh, the first day, the first appearance of Timothy Dalton. As a James Bond and our return to the James Bond film franchise after an absence 
of about uh, eight years on the show. In real life, it had only been a few. Uh, I think Vito <laughs> Kill was Vito, Vito Kill was eighty four, eighty five, eighty five. Uh, I think you're right. Eighty seven. Oh wow! Living daylights eighty seven. No, no, no. Uh, Vito a kill. Oh, sorry. Let me pull it up. I think it is eighty five. We're waiting as we. 85, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, perfect, guys. Which would you like to do first? Would you like to start with the wonderful, whimsical Raising Arizona, or would you start like to start with the gritty Living Daylights? I think she's have Justine decide. Justine? Yeah. <laughs> mm, raising Arizona. Living Daylights it is. All right, here we go, guys. The Living Daylights... <laughs> <laughs> smart choice Mario smart choice give us the rundown Patrick okay this 1987 2 hour and 11 action thriller that received a 6.7 on IMDb 72% on Rotten Tomatoes directed by John Glenn the astronaut uh, the secret say- well, that's what it says. Uh, the British secret agent James Bond KG- helps KGB officer Georgie Kolo- uh, Koskov excuse me I can't say his last name Defector during a symphony performance. During his debriefing, Koskov reveals the policy of assassinating defectors has been stated by the KGB head, Leonoid Pushkin. Mm-hmm. When his bond explores the threat, uh, counterplot services involving a shady American arms dealer and a pair of Russian assassins. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, this movie mm-hmm. budgeted a whopping $40 million dollars. You know where they spent all that money was uh, on all, gross, all those green screens. Right? And grossed uh, a cumulative $51.1 million. Mm. Didn't, didn't make that much, huh? Not much. I mean, it, it you know, mm. it made its money back and more. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's kept the franchise alive. Kept the franchise alive, but, uh, you know, Dalton wasn't, wasn't a really well-received Bond. Uh, no. and, and we'll find out whether or not that is uh, justified as we dig into the movie. We do get some familiar faces in here. You get uh, you get Gimli and Salah in there. Uh, you get uh, <laughs> you get uh, the guy, the bad guy from the Fugitive. Um, you get uh, Joe Don Baker, always uh, the always corp <laughs> the, the always corpulent Joe Don Baker. Um, <laughs> And uh, really good at playing that kind of slightly dense uh, character, kind of de- yeah. with, with like a with an with with a kind of unidentifiable southernish accent, you know. Uh, but uh, you always go, "Hey, it's Walking Tall." Yeah, it's the guy from Walking Tall. <laughs> hey, it's, it's Buford Pusser. Uh, <laughs> Buford Pusser. Yeah, Boy, you got to be tough with a name like that. That's it's a like, name. It's like boy named Sue. Um, That's right. But uh, let's talk about it, guys. You know, I think I feel like our biggest franchise fan of the Bond series is Jake. Uh, I feel like Jake really glommed onto these. So let's go with Jake first, and we'll find out how Jake what Jake thought about this Bond in particular and this movie. Jake, would you like to take it away, sir? Um, I guess. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, Jake, you love the Bond franchise. Am I wrong? I wouldn't say I love it. I enjoy it. All right, guys. <laughs> it's, 
very different. That's thing. our show tonight, guys. I think you'll agree with me when I say that safe. when I say that Patrick is a guy that really enjoys this series. So let's go ahead and <laughs> kick it off with Patrick uh, and find out what he thought about this movie in particular. And James Bond, played by uh, Timothy Dalton. Patrick, would you like to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I'd actually never seen Timothy Dalton as Bond, so this was a first for me. Uh huh. Um, I didn't hate it. Like, I had fun with it. It's It's got all, like, the ridiculous, quirky gadgets that mm-hmm. I like from James Bond. And it was just, I mean, it was all over the place towards the end when we hit Afghanistan. Like, I kind of was like, okay, we're getting off kilter here. But overall, I had fun with it. Like, I mean, you have somebody throwing milk grenades. What's not to love? Milk bottle grenades. <laughs> yeah. Would you get a ghetto blaster? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I think it's very much like an 80s film, so it doesn't feel like, you know, there are parts of this where it doesn't feel like your typical James Bond film because mm-hmm. of that. Um, but, I mean, I think overall I enjoyed it and I had fun. I think the only thing that really was weird for me was seeing James Bond smoke. Yes, I just, that, that struck me watching kind it. kind of out of character. That struck me watching it because uh, Roger Moore really didn't smoke all that much. And then you think it looks no, like it, it looks more modern than the other Bond movies. So you're like, okay, it's kind of like our era now. We're getting closer to our era. So he just whips out a cigarette. Oh, and you're yeah, like, no. oh yeah, he still smoked back in you, the '80s. You definitely know, like you're in the '80s. There's yeah. no, there's no qualms about the era of this film. Like it, it the, is an '80s film, the, and it feels like it. So the that's fact kind that the of weird, I was waiting. The fact that the Russian assassin uses a uh, a Walkman should uh, should yeah, give you everything you need to know. Like, I was yeah. waiting for some, you know, guy in a punk outfit to show up at some point, just because, you know, that's what they do in 80s films. But, mm-hmm. and, get, um, and get a nerve overall, pinch. Like it, yeah. <laughs> overall, I had fun with it. I think it's uh, it was a fun film. It's not uh, the best Bond film. But Dalton, for me, I think he did a good job. Like, uh, I don't think it bothered me. Yeah, you know, he, for me, was, I, he, I was watching him, his performance in particular, and he's very good with it. It's sort of a hybrid between... Connery and um, Roger and Roger Moore. Moore, where he's throwing quips and everything, but he's still kind of serious when he needs to be. And yes. you you take him a little more seriously than Roger Moore, I think. Uh, he, he's not he's not a little, he's, he doesn't have that that slightly used car spiv uh, feeling about him like uh, like Roger Moore does sometimes. Although I love Roger Moore, <laughs> he could be over the top with the comedy, and I think Dalton plays it right in the middle somewhere. Where he's yeah. he's doing, I, I can I can definitely agree with that. Where he's doing bad puns, but he's also you know he's he's also serious and he's a little bit more, like John said, he's a little bit more cold and calculating than than the Roger Moore Bond, you know. So you kind of see it leading towards what we're eventually going to get with Daniel Craig a little bit. You see a little bit of that, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just with with the Daniel Craig one, we lose all humor. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Dalton plays it kind of like he's a little more serious, but he does have a few one-liners here. And then he has he has fun with it. Like you can tell he's enjoying himself mm-hmm. and I can appreciate that. And they keep it. They so, keep I the mean, gadgets to a minimum, but the gadgets they do have are pretty outlandish. They're you know? very like Bond gadgets. And I think that that's what I kind of missed from the um, what's it called? The uh, um, what's his face? We're just Daniel Craig ones. Like the, the gadgets are what makes bond and it makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of pulls in like the younger crowd, like, you know, pulling in kids and stuff like that. Like you, you can't really take a child to go see a Daniel Craig bond film. 
No, little, nor should you. Well, yeah, it's a little much. Um, it is, but like, yeah, for you, sure. But yeah. the, but the kids the love Adele. This film. But the kids love yeah. Adele, Patrick, so, you know. All right, right. I know. So, I mean, like, I, I, I like that, like, it felt like a Bond film for me with mm-hmm. all those gadgets, because that's one of my favorite parts about Bond. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the ridiculous thing Q comes up with. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, uh, Patrick, what did you think of the opening, the opening bit, all that jumping off the, uh, onto the, uh, the, the moving trucks and all that? Yeah, it was fun. Like it was, it was kind of silly. Uh, I did not like the intro music. Uh, it didn't really. Yeah, that was for uh, me, so. that was uh, that was aha. Talk about the eighties, boy. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, it, like I said, this is definitely an eighties film, and it feels like it. Yeah, Patrick, let me ask you a question. Where has everybody gone? Um, <laughs> every time somebody dies, you hear that song. Um, yeah. The guy listens to the same. No wonder he's crazy. He listens to the same song over and over. Uh, well, that was a great review, Patrick. Was there uh, was there anything you didn't particularly like about this one? I like honestly. I think the smoking just bothered me, just because I get it's the time, but like it just. I've never seen Bond smoke in a film that I can remember. Didn't Con- sure you did have Connery. Uh, the, his his opening smoke smoke in the first his two? opening scene when he's when he's, I, I just when, uh, when he says Bond like, James like, when he says Bond James Bond he's lighting up a cig. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I just think maybe, you know, he did a little bit more uh, swab and debonair than uh, <laughs> what's his face? Timothy name? Dalton just looked like he was taking a, his union-mandated 10-minute <laughs> break. Just, yes. <laughs> he just like, <laughs> <laughs> <need> a cigarette. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, what did you uh, – okay, let's go, to, uh, let's go to Justine because, you know, Justine, we know. You guys are a package deal. And Justine, we know this, this is really like a rebirth – for for Bond, so let's see if if Justine went along with it or if she still continues this her. Is the, this is the Bond she loves. Yeah, <laughs> Justine. I is love it? this movie. Did you really? Yes. 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 I knew it. I was not worried. I loved it. I didn't know that guy's ever been James Bond. Mm-hmm. Hey. But I was reading how Bronson. Um, Pierce Brosnan. Sorry, what's his name? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that he was supposed to. He originally was supposed to get it, and then there were issues with his show being canceled, mm-hmm. and that Dalton wasn't available at the time. And then when all of that feud went down, Dalton was finally free, and they gave it to him instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for his show being canceled, and anyways, and then I also read that this was the last one to be titled after the books until Casino Royale. So 20 years later, they went back to the book titles. That's you correct. Yeah. enjoys a movie when she gets that research going. You, and here's the oh, funny yeah. thing. Here's the crazy thing about Timothy Dalton. They had, they had thought of him as a replacement for, uh, I believe, I believe his name went back into the seventies. Um, I believe, yeah. he, he, I believe I think he, before Connery, when Connery left. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he would have been very young. And I think they ultimately decided he was too young for the role, but he got to, he got a shot again, you know, back you know in the eighties when Roger Moore retired. But his yeah. name had been around. He he was an English. He was a stage actor, and he had done some stuff on British television. And he was always kind of his name had always been kind of been in the mix. But I feel like he's the perfect age at this age. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. To I be, I, I he's believable for me. Like he's believable as Bond. He mm-hmm. There's no moment where I'm like, nah, it's not Bond. Like he he fits the role, and I think that that it was really well cast. Um, you know it's the kiss of also, death. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, oh. Justine. Also, also Prince Charles visit the set 
and he was able to launch the ghetto blaster. <laughs> That's and awesome. And then while he was on set, I guess there's a famous photograph of Princess D hitting a um, a breakaway bottle over his head, Prince Charles' head. I guess it went all over the tabloids, but it happened on this film. And oh. Prince Charles didn't visit the set again until 2019 for the Bond 25. Ah, the one that's coming and, uh, out soon. Daniel yeah. Craig showed him around the James Bond studio. Hmm. That's cool. Wow. I really do, honestly. Right I do, honestly, like these two outings. And they kind of get glossed over because, you know, Pierce Brosnan was such a huge. For me, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier. For me, Brosnan was the obvious choice, and they talked about it a lot. So I wasn't as excited when they made Pierce Brosnan Bond because I was like, of course he's James Bond. He's he's like the most famous, you know what I mean? Like, I, for me, it was just like a there was yeah. nothing ex, there was nothing exciting about him being James Bond, and um, I kind of liked that they took a risk with Timothy Dalton. He doesn't really, you know, he's not your typical. I mean, he's a handsome dude, obviously, but he's not your typical kind of. I, he wouldn't have been first on my list. But I, I think he was a good choice. I think he was a really good choice. And like Patrick said. Yeah, he he, so, Justine, what did the, this is a historic moment because she has not really liked many Bond Yeah, movies. I was about to what get to that. About this one? I, that's what I was going to get to. Is yeah. this, what, do you think it was more him or do you think it was just the movie itself? What do you think sold you on it? one more fact? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. This was the final time that M's office is relocated to an unusual location, the airport. Uh, uh, they oh, haven't that's done right. it since. That's right. That's right. He, yeah, he's in the airplane. The and the original M, Bernard Lee, has passed on now. So this is like the second M. And there's a, this, is, this, this is the one most of us know. And this, this begins well. the, the era of what I like to call the random money penny. Because money penny from here on out is always like a different... Every, every it's like the a different random, the random money penny. This is the beginning of the random money penny era, which ends uh, with uh, with Daniel Craig. Um, well, God, it was Lois Maxwell for like twenty sure, years, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, just okay, I loved everything. This guy is believable that he can fight. Watching him fight was great. Yeah, him with his gadgets was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um. I believed their chemistry, and it was like a girl who didn't care about him because all she cared about was Georgie. So I loved that. Yeah, until they got on the Ferris wheel, and then Ferris it was all wheel. over. She's like, you know what? There's no rules in Ferris. Bang in. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rules She's in like, Ferris wheels. Is that what you said? This is international air right here. Yeah, we're in air, oh, international oh, airspace. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> international Ferris wheel right here. Yeah, yeah. All rules oh off. God. Yeah, All so we're just going to make out with this dude. And uh, Anyways, I love that Like he was pretty persistent with her, but like it wasn't right off the bat with that. I, like, I loved it. I felt like there was a buildup for that. I love that the guy in the prison like was just acting like that. Like That was a surprise, and I loved it. Um, honestly, like all of it was so cool. And then when he goes onto the plane, and then they... Um, he tells her to go on the Jeep. I'm like, dude, he only has like a few seconds left. And then he gets <laughs> on the Jeep and then they let go of the parachute and they just shoot out. It's so crazy. I was like, oh my God, this is such a great movie. I love this movie so much. That was a really good wow. stunt. That whole fight on the net when they're flying out behind the plane and the whole. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then he was able to use that bomb again to help out his friends. Oh, 
Yeah. What a sweetheart. Honestly, I kind of wanted her. I wanted her to fall in love with that other guy instead. Oh. He, when he showed up to the show, I was like, "Oh shit, they're together." I love this. I love this couple. But that's not what happened. Uh, if, never if they did that, I would have been so in, like in love with this song, like in love. But so did he go on to play other James Bonds or that was it? He's got he one, one more, more coming up. He's going to do one more coming up. Okay, uh, I was going to say, I'm like, I guess I'm a one and done James Bond. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. He's got one I, more. Those are my favorite got, Now, let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this, Justine. Between this one and George Lazenby, between Timothy Dalton and George Lazenby, who do you got? Who's your guy? Um, so I thought it's Lazenby. Is it Lazenby? Oh, well, you could say it either way because I'm American and I don't know how to pronounce things. I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Lazenby, I liked because it was completely different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a James Bond film. Mm-hmm. This one has that James Bond feel, and you know it's the '80s because of the music playing, and I hated that. Yeah, but um, it was cheesier than the Lazenby one. I uh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, a little less serious. Um. Yeah, so between the two, I probably am still leaning towards Lazenby just because it was just a different film. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to go with the James Bond, Dalton wins because wow, freaking awesome. I'm, I'm, that's see, and I this whole time Honestly, I kept there saying was more combat in that. I felt like there was a lot more gadgets in this. I mean, he cut that car in half with that laser, and it's <laughs> too far. And then when he's on the ice, like, come on, that guy like blew up his car. He did so much. I freaking this movie had everything. I loved it. This is oh, for cool. for me. This is one of the most underrated Bond movies. I think it's, I think it's yeah. up there. I think it's up there with the with the best of the. It's definitely up there with the best of the Roger Moores. I'd put it up there with like you know, it's not quite. From Russia with Love or Goldfinger, but I'd put it there with like the other Connery movies that I like, you know, like You Only Live Twice, you know, or I like it better than Thunderball, you know. So I feel like it's a for me, it's 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 in the upper echelon for me, and I feel like it doesn't the get enough. The only time, go ahead. I'm sorry. The only time it got cheesy was when that lady was on the boat. She's like, "It's so hard to find a man who's blah 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 whatever she was saying," and then he falls from the sky and he said, "It's going to take two hours." I'm like, "Oh, it's a James Bond film right here." But as soon as as soon as that girl didn't care for him, I was I was falling in love with this movie. Like, yes, yes, finally. Well, I also about Georgie. I also like that they picked a, they picked a girl that she's very attractive, but she's not like a typical Bond girl. You know, this no. is a this is a girl that oh, she actually I didn't catch her name. Was her name something funky? Uh, her name yeah, in the movie. Her name in the movie is um. Oh, what is uh, Caro Milboy? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but I think that she Yeah, there's no like Yeah, she looked like a she looked like she could be a real person. Like, you know what I mean? It was like this could be an actual person, not just like, you know, not just like a like like a, a supermodel or something. I felt like she's very realistic as in the part. So and, that always works for me too. Didn't have a name <laughs> didn't have a name like Holly Goodhead or something. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I I freaking laughed when She's like, I have to go back and get my cello. And he's like, we're not getting your cello. <laughs> and then yeah. they go and they pick it up. I'm like, damn. Like, see? She even got James Bond whipped. I freaking love this movie. And what, the look on his face, too, when he has to go get it. It's freaking ridiculous. The, <laughs> I do, put it back in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was all so 
funny. I do love the scene later on where they have to escape and they're going to use a cello case. And he tells her, "I'm glad. Yeah, I, I'm glad I gross. insisted you brought this." Uh, so, so the way he says it, it's a really good. He has a really good delivery too. I like. I like. I like Timothy Dalton a lot. I wish he would have done more. Um, and the next one, the, oh, I'm sorry. The, I was going to say the next one you're going to see is gets a little more, a little more gritty in the next one. But uh, I love ooh. when he's like, "Okay, hold this paper up when we pass by." He's like, "Nothing to claim." <laughs> I love just the cello. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I'm like, dude, this movie is just, I was smiling. I was having fun. It was a great, fun movie. Um, I really like that second character. I kind of wish he stayed around. Oh, and Saunders? was pretty fun, too. Saunders? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you never get to see him really work with other agents very often. And this one, when he finally comes around, of course. Oh, no, not him. Oh, no. Not him. Oh, Felix Leiter? They took from the prison. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Shaw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that was the great. other agent was good, but I think I just seen too many movies that I was like, ooh, this guy's a bad guy. And as soon as I finally let it go, I was like, all right. And then he, I mean, he died. So I was like, never mind. And died horribly. What a horrible way to go. Yeah. Uh, they don't even I show it. <laughs> it's so horrible. They don't even show what it looked like, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah, by the way, guys, what about, let's talk about it in honor of the home video hustle. What did you think of the dummy kill in the beginning? You get that, mm. uh, you, get, you get the guy that oh. falls off the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Good dummy kill. Um, Not as good as the one in Raising Arizona, but it was, it was good. Uh, the whole beginning part was so good when he's climbing up and the guy shoots him. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. That guy has real bullets. And like, honestly, guys, I was mind blown. And <laughs> then you get fake it's Anthony cool. Hopkins. You get fake Anthony Hopkins driving the, driving the truck and trying to kill Bond. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, I was like, Wait, I, Anthony Hopkins? It looked, the guy that's driving the, the Jeep at the end kind of looks like a fake Anthony oh, yes, Hopkins. Yes, yes. Yeah, he does. Like, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins stunt double. Uh, well, Justine, oh, I, you do the- you don't know how happy I am that you like this movie. I'm very yeah, that is and so then, cool. I'm and the guys surprised. at the pool and he's cheating. I'm like, whoa, what the heck? I I felt all the feels in this movie, guys. All the feels were out there. I so love cool. it. Surprise! That's very well. Man, you, you get one more great. Timothy Dalton before the '80s are over. So uh, you know, just just and we're gonna watch it, right? Oh yeah, it's it's in there. It's in there. It's in the rotation. Uh, that's great. You know, he was gonna do uh, he, he was gonna do a third one, but it was gonna take too many years to get around to it. So that's why he dropped out. It was gonna take years to straighten out some legal stuff, and he finally just sort of lost his, you know, his enthusiasm. He said, "If, if I gotta wait four years to do it, I think I'm out." Well, then that's okay because he ends up as a great bad guy in both the Rocketeer and uh, and I was gonna uh, say yeah, and uh, he does the Hot Fuzz. He ends up in hot I fuzz. I laugh when they did. Um, they did a camera oh, trick so that they were trying fuzz. to show that the plane was leaving, and they just put the camera like. What? <laughs> that was probably the cheesiest part of the movie for me. They put the camera where? So they were trying to show that the jet, the guy, when he goes through the tube, and at the end he goes on that jet. Yeah. Oh yeah. They try to make it look like it took off, but they're just showing the angle from the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was so bad. You can tell it's just like so a bad. it's just a wind machine and some fog. They're just blowing it up. Yeah, and then the camera is just coming from the floor and going up. I'm like, this is the dumbest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
Well, hopefully we'll get Jake back because we want to we want to ask him what he thought of this movie. Obviously, but I'm glad I'm so glad you liked it, Justine. Honestly, um, because I know that these are yeah. these are torturous for you sometimes. They are. It turns out you just don't yeah. like Roger Moore. Is basically what it turns out to be. And um, the other guy, you don't, like, don't like Connery. Uh, you don't like Connery. Connery. Yeah. No, you like the first two, didn't you? Know, you? Um, I like I like it as a a timepiece, as <laughs> like a curio, as a curio. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't. No, no, not a fan. All right. Well, you like You're this probably, one, so that's good. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing that, that part of the reason you like this is he's not such a horn dog. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I love when they're like when he. There's a girl he sees. Oh, it's the cello when she's looking at her, the celloist, and he's like, "Stop thinking about these girls." Or that guy says something about. Yeah. His partner says something about that. I just thought it was so funny. It was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Fantastic. All right, John. What do you think of the I'm Living Daylights? So Where surprised. are you? Where are you on this train, John? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I think uh, Jake is saying one more invite, please. Well, Jake, did he, you see that? Nope. And he's done. He said, I, I got a little message that says one more invite, please. All right. Go ahead. Uh, he, he, sent it, buddy. So go ahead, okay. John, and give us the uh, what do you think? I'll, we'll get Dan back in here. We'll pause if we have to, but we'll we'll get him in. Uh but yeah, t- I I like uh, I've always liked this film. I'm really glad Justine dug it. I, I've always thought Timothy Dalton was a really good actor. Going all the way back to The Lion in Winter, I think the first thing he ever did, he played the French King in The Lion in Winter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, he was holding his own. I mean, my God, he was probably like 21. He was holding his own with Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn, and um, I just always thought he was a, a good actor and an underrated actor. You know, you don't you don't hear a lot about him, but. Uh, Whenever he turns up in a movie, he always raises it. You know, the, the movie the movie always goes up a couple notches. Hey, look just at by his presence, Flash Gordon, baby, Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the Rocketeer, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just uh, you know, my God, and he's still doing stuff. Christ, you know, he was in that last Toy Story movie. <laughs> sure, with Mister Pricklepants. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was also great in. Uh, if, you, if you never caught Penny Dreadful, he was great in Penny Dreadful, um, which is that's a great right. Topic. He's in all. I think he's what he's the star of that, right? Yeah. He's in all three seasons. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one yeah. of the main characters, yeah. And he's fantastic in it. The, thing I, the thing I like about uh him as James Bond is it's it's probably the most believable. Until you get to Daniel Craig, he's definitely the most believable as just a real person. You know, a real secret agent. He underplays it. There's not a lot of, there's no winking at the camera. There's no like, you know, you know, nudging people in the ribs. Hey, pretty cool, huh? He just kind of plays it, underplays it, and it just works. You know. Yeah. And uh, I think the most servicey joke is the ghetto blaster one. Yeah, that's uh, the goofiest. That's and it's the most yeah. dated too. You know, yeah. Americans call it a ghetto blaster. You know, but they, it's okay to do humor when it's Q. You know, all the stuff with Q has got to have some humor. You know, because it's but, silly uh, to begin with. It is silly to begin with, but I just, yeah, I've always liked this one. And I just think, he, you know, and also he's suave, you know, without being overbearingly suave. And the best evidence of that is when they're doing that little montage of them on the rides at the park, even when he's in the bumper cars, he still looks suave as fuck. And that's a hard ride. You got to admit, you know, you see him on the tilt a whirl and the, the roller coaster and do the whole thing. He just looks you know, cool as hell. So. That's, yeah. that's acting. You know? 
just feel like he's very believable. Yeah, that's it. That's the word. Believable. You believe that he's. Uh, you. Yeah, you believe that he's, uh, and also you believe that he's kind of like fallen in love with her, which is. Uh, yeah. You it's know, that's just. Yeah, and that really puts um, that puts a lot of scenes into a higher intensity level because you realize that he's really feeling it. It's not just like another job. He's like, you know, I got to make sure she isn't killed. You know. Yeah, and it's not like the typical scummy Bond thing to do just to pick up a girl and then throw her away later. Like, you don't get that. Right. Feeling. Right. You, this one, you can tell that he's he really. He's like a gentleman. No, you do. Exactly. He does that with Pushkin's girlfriend, is what he does. That's what, yeah. he, does. That's what yeah. he does it in that one scene where the security yeah. guard comes yeah. in and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's when you realize how dangerous he is. When he's got the gun. On uh, Pushkin, I mean, you really feel that. He's all, I am going to blow your fucking head off. And it's just like, give me a reason not to. And then finally he gets it. He's all, yep, we're just going to have to make believe like we killed you. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So, John, anyway, I think he's he's one of the best. This is, a, this is a very strong James Bond movie, and I think it's too bad he only got to do two. Because I it would have been great to see him in like three more, you know. John, did you see this in the theater? Yeah. I did. This is the one I think I saw in Westwood at the uh, at the Bruin. Nice. And um, that whole opening was great. You know, you wondered what you were going to get with a new Bond and that whole thing where he's on top of the truck with the explosives and it goes through the wall into the water. You're going, yep, this is pretty much, <laughs> you know, from the from the first five minutes, you're going, OK, yeah, they've still got it. You, well, know? you know, what's funny is I was noticing in that sequence, there's a lot of stuff in the in the in the chase scene in the snow. Those are so typical of the of the eighties era bond where you have like, Hey, the monkey's going to react because the truck is coming. And then there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're going to go through this crowded plaza yeah. of people and do all this. And that continues on into the, into the Pierce Brosnan, you know, but, uh, yeah. but you're right, but yeah. he sells it. He elevates it. So you kind of, and you, that, it's not, you know, that's not an easy character to sell as a real person, you know, <laughs> because, uh, it's such a heightened reality and you want it to be, you know, that's the fun of the series that it's a heightened reality. But on top of that, for him to sell it as a real guy, that's, I think that's some good acting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. And it, he's believable. Like, I think that's the best part about it. I'm yeah. not gonna- And he can throw a punch. I mean, he's got to sell that stuff too, that you believe him jumping off a, out of a plane or throwing a punch. He, that's, he's perfectly believable in the action stuff too, you know? And I, gotta, oh, I was so heartbroken when she drugged him and he tried to shoot. Oh, so oh it was so sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, he's so hurt. Like, the fact that she betrays him, she's like, oh, son of a bitch. He just mm-hmm. barely gets to tell her what was going on. And she's all, oh, no. <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's pretty, pretty I'm not well timed. He's just able to get it out, you know? I'm not going to lie, though. That yeah. is probably one of my favorite looking. Uh, Bond cars is that that eighties Aston Martin? Yeah, that was a cool yes. looking car. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was a really yeah, cool I looking totally car. Agree. Mm-hmm. And then you get was that really the, ugly, uh, ugly Audi later. Yeah, he gets in that, that Audi the, hatchback. So, so that was a that was an Aston Martin, but a new one, right? Yeah, that was like an eighties version of an Aston Martin, and it looked really cool. It looked really cool. Yeah, it did. Uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you saw what the other cars look like. You'll see what other 80s cars look like when we get to Raising Arizona. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean that, that uh, no, 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 but that, that, that is one of the coolest looking Bond cars for me. That's always been one of my favorites. Yeah. Really, really cool. With the cool gadgets, you got, you got the, uh, 
the laser and the the little the little. The uh, laser was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that was fun. Yeah, that was a cool car chase. And Everything. a little, and again, a little Everything. silly, a little silly. Like I'm going to drive through this house and I'm going to drive it across the lake. But uh, just, uh, just I know as a cover. <laughs> yeah, but just enough that it, it works. You know, it, just great. enough, just it enough to stretch believability enough. From uh, Man with a Golden Gun. You got oh, the what? The one that becomes a boat. No, the, the one that becomes a plane. Ah, oh, right, right. It gives right. me that vibe, and I like that. What's the one? Which one has the submarine car? <laughs> uh, that I don't remember who that was. Was that, that Live and Let Die? That, the one where you, they drive underneath the water and then they drive out onto the beach. That is the Spy Who Loved Me, and that's the movie you love the most, John. That was a Roger. Uh, well, remember, I liked the better. I like the better than I thought I would. Yeah, Roger <laughs> Moore. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Let's um, let's pause for a quick second, and I'm gonna dr- we're gonna drop in a sandwich report, and then we're gonna get Jake back. So I know it's gonna seem kind of weird. But we're, we're going to hear from we're going to hear from my friend Rose and the Sandwich Report, and we're going to get right back to the Digital Movie Club right after these messages. After these messages, we'll be right back. I'm pretty sure we can get sued for using that. All right, be right back, guys. Yep, don't go. <laughs> good morning or good evening. Uh, it's me, Rose. Just reporting from uh, Chicago and. You know, I apologize for not responding sooner. He must be very worried. I've just been traveling around the U.S., transporting leisure travelers like there's no pandemic going on. Um, You may appreciate this. I just had an overnight a couple days ago in Des Moines where I was able to sample the local delicacy, one of which is um, a bacon-wrapped tater tot. And it consists of a standard Hormel whatever tater tot. And it's wrapped within bacon, with some bacon and a few slices of uh, jalapeno. If you can't handle the heat, well, then, you know, hold the jalapeno. And then they, I think they put it in the oven. I'm going to say they put it in the oven. Or a fryer. It's probably a fryer because it's moist. And then they put uh, melted cheese on top. They serve it with some ranch dressing because it's the Midwest. Eat everything with ranch dressing. And um, it turns out it's delicious. And it is um, the sort of genius that only could be born in the Midwest. It was delicious. And uh, it was also the same place where I had a pork tenderloin sandwich, which was about nine inches of like a circumference of a pork chop between two buns with some pickles, which by our standards wouldn't really be considered a sandwich, but just some like, you know, bread and a pork chop. But it was um, also delicious. It was pretty much like a schnitzel between bread with some pickles. Almost feels like an afterthought, but um, also delicious. So I don't know. You can say what you want about Iowa, but they know how to eat. Guys, 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 that was the sandwich report, and uh, it came at a weird time because we lost Jake for a little bit, and what only was a, a second for you guys, a few minutes, while you listen to the sandwich report, uh, we had about, what, 40 minutes, 45 minutes? We had to 
It, was a, a, it was a lifetime for us. We had to, we had to yeah. stop and, and not record anything because we lost uh, we lost the internet spectrum here. Uh, we don't want to name any names. We'll I was seeing I was seeing a couple of posts mentioning that it was someone DDoSing um, Cloudflare. What does that mean? Which yeah, it, can you unnerd that for us? It's distributed um, denial of service. Okay, DDSing, doxing, yeah, DDoS, doxing. Uh, yeah, the machine cyber network resource unavailable to its intended user by temporarily or indefinitely distributing services of a host connected. Somebody got so mad. Essentially, at- someone's denying service for something. They're either trying to prove a point or they're they were. Yeah, someone made someone made the wrong person angry. I you think know. it was a mom, a nom, a mominous, a mominous, a nom, a nom, a <laughs> it's, always, it's always a mominous. No, it was probably anonymous. A mominous. A mominous. A mominous. A mominous. A mominous. I know it's anonymous, Mom, everybody. I know it's anonymous. Uh, I'm just, I just picked up season one of the Muppet Show. How was it? I haven't popped it in yet, but it's gotta be great. <laughs> this is what happens now. Let me tell you what happened. I took a little nap and I drank a Coke Zero. Woo! Energy three hour show. You no, know, they didn't keep a lot of the props from the first movies from the Muppet movie. Why? I was watching that on the Disney Plus thing when they were uh-huh. doing um they go to the warehouse that they have and oh, then yeah. they talked about like all they had left because they would reuse things and they would have to destroy uh-huh. things and they never thought about like mem- memorabilia like that, keeping it. You know? Ah, interesting. Yeah. Wow, weird. Speaking of memorabilia. Like, they showed the van, but the van is like completely torn apart because they showed the van where Jim Henson's under it. Not the van, the car. And there he's, uh-huh. and how like the puppeteers were under it, but it's just not the same. Mm. It's completely just run down. Like no one took care of it and it just sat somewhere. It all got used. Moving right along. I think that. Let's all sing it. They just didn't have like realize the worth at that time. Yeah, that's hmm. mm-hmm. sad, but well, you know what? We have true. it on film, and we have the great Steve Martin's performance locked in. Uh, <laughs> on <the> Muppet movie. <laughs> Fucking vomit in. Fucking vomit. Are we gonna watch Father of the Bride? No. You know what, Justine? You know what, Justine? You've Fucking. been you've been such a lamb with this James Bond thing. We might, we might, we might watch it. <laughs> Fucking a lamb. Me. By the way, let me let me address let me address some people on the internet. Some people on the internet got mad uh, because I was of everything that went down when I was unleashing hell on you guys. You know, I unleashed, unleashed Howard the Duck, and someone said, "Why am I the only?" I think it was Eric of Aragon said, "Why am I the only one who hasn't suffered?" Bring on Hook. Let, let me let me tell you. Let me, let me tell you two yeah. reasons why this isn't going to happen. Number one, number one. I'll just get rid of you all and do the show without you. <laughs> I do it by myself. I'll do it my own. No, I'm kidding. But first of all, I am the host. I, it is my movie club. We're not watching it. And second of all, I watch Zardoz, fools, like everybody else. I had to sit through Zardoz with you guys. That's one movie. I was among one you movie. for one 
one horrible moment, I was mortal like the rest of you, and it was awful. And I do not. That was Raul's fault, wasn't it? That was no. That was Jeff from the Kung Fu uh, Kung Fu Hustle uh, podcast. Oh, Raul brought something Kung else. Kung Fu Driving. Um, what did I say? Kung Fu Hustle. Hey, the Kung Fu <laughs> Driving podcast. I was thinking of the home video. Hustle. Why? Why haven't they combined forces yet? Well, probably because Stephen Chow will sue him. Yeah, Home Video Hustle, but it was the Kung Fu Driving podcast. Kung Fu Hustle podcast is different. It's, that's hosted by Stephen Chow, but yeah, um, yeah, Jeff, good old Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. Hopefully, he's doing well. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say if Eric got you to watch Hook, I would be shocked. No, it's never gonna happen. And then yeah, just replace good us. for you. I mean, you really Hang should watch Mario. It, it's really good. Hang tough. <laughs> Hang tough, Mario. Nope. Some Chuck. things are worth sitting through. No Jean Ralphio for me, man. I couldn't agree more, Patrick. I couldn't agree more. Hey, <laughs> let's Patrick. Let's let's. Uh, speaking of things that are worth uh, watching, Patrick. Let's ask Jake what he thought of uh, of uh, the Living Daylights. Jake, what did you think, my man? Well, this is no Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, it's let's yeah they kind of go right smack dab in the middle and. Uh, it wasn't my favorite, but I liked it. It was pretty good. It was fun. Yeah. What What did you not yeah. like about it? What What did you feel was missing from the typical James Bond outing that you like? What was missing here? It's uh, it's just like I kind of like the gadgets, like the over the top, like the ghetto blaster, and that. It just kind of no. See, those just doesn't do. It. I don't mind those if they're in the in the Q lab. If they're in like the, you know, they're kind of jokes under themselves. When it's mm-hmm. when it's when he starts using them out in the field that you know the silly stuff that he uses out in the field, like the car that turns into an airplane, like you know, like that kind of stuff. Well, that wasn't him, <laughs> but that wasn't him. But you know, when it, when they do that kind of stuff, I, I don't mind it in a lab setting because it's just kind of right. a, a gag and you throw it away. But I but I get it, I get it. The ghetto box. It is an eye roller, definitely, definitely a dad joke, a British dad joke. Uh, at that. <laughs> So you you've got the you've got the British dad humor is either going to be Monty Python or Benny Hill, and there's no in between. There's no in between. <laughs> okay, continue, Jake. I'm sorry though. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I thought the Bond girl. I forget. I forget her name, but she's. I thought she was solid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, other than yeah, I mean, other than just it being kind of tongue in cheek, I like the Sean Connery ones are a little bit more serious, a little grittier, but. Serious. Uh, I'm a I'm a Daniel Craig kind of guy. Just, you know, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery. Okay, so rank. Uh, so so far we've we've seen uh, we've seen four <laughs> bonds. Give, give, rank those bonds for me right now in, in order. Have we have haven't we technically seen five? No, we've seen uh, more. We've seen Connery, more uh, Lazenby, and now Timothy Dalton. Oh, you mean as in the digital movies? Yeah, yeah, so far, so far. Well, how do you rank them? Uh, Sean Connery. Okay. Uh, uh, Lazenby, Dalton, and then. Wow, you put Lazenby above Roger Moore, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. That's shocking. How about you, Justine? How would you rank the four bonds thus far? Uh, there's only two. Okay. <laughs> the two one shots so far. Lazenby and, and Dalton. And then how about you, John? Where do you go? We go John goes Sean Connery in the top slot. Uh 
I think Daniel Craig's done an amazing job. So I, I put him on a level. With he, no, no, no. Remember, we're but, digital movie club, so no Craig yet. No Craig yet. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Roger Moore fan. So I guess I'd go Connery, Timothy Dalton, and then, um, and then Roger Moore, and then Lazenby. Or, yeah, Lazenby's. You know, he's fine. It's not that he's terrible. He's kind of like a, what do you call it, like a place. Uh, Placeholder. What do you call that? A placeholder. Placeholder. Yeah. You know, he wasn't terrible. The thing about that movie is, it was it was a good movie. That was one of the better movies as far as uh, cast and writing and situation. It's um, that was a solid movie. It's too bad Connery couldn't have done it. It's too bad he left before that movie. What I always say, it'd be my favorite uh, one if it was uh, Connery. You know, it's uh, but no, that's that's a you know by virtue of the fact that that's one of the better um, James Bonds. Yeah, I think Lazenby did okay. But uh, I think uh, Timothy Dalton is really underrated, and it's too bad he only got to do two because yeah. those are two of my favorites. J- uh, Patrick, where do you rank him? Where do you where do you rank him? Mm, I think uh, you're going to go more number one. Yeah, yeah, uh, more uh, Connery, Dalton, Lazenby. I got somebody driving with a window open. Yeah, it sounds like someone's jogging right now. It's okay. We're not mad. I yeah. I got a fan on. Oh, that's okay, John. You know what? John, here's the thing. I'm your biggest fan. So you We're not need... mad. We're oh, man. Disappointed. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, that's a good That's a good. You know what, that's about where I'd rank them, Patrick. Uh, Lazenby and D- I, I put Dalton above Lazenby, but uh, yeah, that's the way I rank them. But I think- I, so you, you, how do you rank them, Mario? Uh, in order, pretty much. Just flip Lazenby yeah. and just more was my that's my bond because that's who I grew up with and uh, yeah. had Lazenby's hair moved in that movie he probably would have gotten both <laughs> you don't like his butt chin you're like nope no, no butt I chin. don't I don't mind the butt chin it's the fact that his hair no matter what he went through Dalton has a crazy butt chin <laughs> he does Dalton Dalton has some I don't mind Dalton has some big hair too seriously yep. he got some booty on his chin they got the uh they they both got the uh, the Cary Grant chin, you know, with the little <laughs> yeah, the little dent dent in there, a little butt. All you know right. why Sean? You know why Sean Connery will always be the number one James Bond because of how he's because his as pussy. The post, as the poster says, Sean Connery is James Bond in. Ah, uh, you like that? It's not how he says pushy. Yeah, pushy. You're like ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I must. <laughs> and then he says, "I must be dreaming." Yes. Uh well, guys, that's I'm, Justine. I'm over the moon. Uh, so let's rank it. Let's rank the Living Daylights. Justine, what do you give it? I give it. Oh, I don't know. It's a James Bond movie. <laughs> um, she's got to she's got to prorate it, guys. Hold on. <laughs> I will give it an eight and a half. Wow! What? Holy wow. cow! I, That's heavy. I never would have thought <laughs> eight and a half. Okay, uh, you know, like I would. I don't know what's really stopping me from giving it a nine. Maybe the length of the film, but yeah, eight and a half. I'm pretty happy. with. Yeah, you can lose about was, twenty minutes of it for sure. I was completely just like blown away from it. It was. It was. It was amazing. It was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm super. I'm super glad. Uh, Patrick, what do you say? Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. Solid seven. That's a good score. Uh, Jake, what do you say? 
I'll agree with the seven. Seven? All right. John? I give it an eight. I can't believe Justine rated it higher than me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. If uh, if a year ago, if a year ago somebody had said, you know, Justine's going to give a James Bond movie an eight and a half, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. If it wasn't like a Daniel Craig, right? If you were saying it's a non Craig. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it makes me kind of sad that we didn't watch for your eyes only. Um, the, I think. I, <laughs> well, we can go back. I think maybe you know, that's one. That's one I've never seen actually. And you know, I think it's one that it's the most serious Roger Moore one, and I think it might be the. There's definitely a subplot that will drop the score for Justine, but uh, I think she might have she may have actually liked that one. What I figured out with Justine is it has to be a good Bond girl because the, what what this one both has is. This and Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which she also ranked highly, it's more of a romance and less of him being a womanizer. And uh, right. I, I feel like that's right. the, that's the case in both of these movies. So that's true. So maybe that's mm. we found the thread there. So you know what you know what that means? That means she's he, she's really. I think if that's the criterion, I think she's really going to dig Casino Royale. Yes, sir. We'll see though. It's hard to predict, Justine. She's a wild stallion. She's, it's, what did you give it? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, Living Daylights. It's it's a seven point five for me. Seven point five. Yeah, it's a cut above the. Uh, it's a cut above a lot of other ones. And uh, this is for me. It's it's one of the better bonds. Uh, of, underrated for sure. So there we go. Now let's go on. We're gonna we're take it. We're gonna take a sharp turn towards uh, something a little a little more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a little outre. Wacky. A little wacky. A little a little wacky. A little outre. Definitely well written, well acted, uh, and depending on how you feel about Nicolas Cage, possibly his finest performance. Uh, I think um, you lost. Uh, I think you lost Justine. Justine, are you out? She's we can't. She's there, but she, she's there, but uh, we can't hear her. No, uh, she probably got another call, or her headset died. Hold no, on. No, no, no. It says, it says, uh, I will wait for you to take a break. Okay, well, hold on. Let's pause real quick. Hold on. Uh, Patrick me... also said, uh, nope. I wonder what nope means. I don't know. <laughs> Justine, are you in? Guess we'll never she, know. She dropped out. She's going to rejoin, I think. <laughs> With that laugh, we're back. I was just going to tell Justine, what we were saying is, you got cut off there for a second, but we were saying that we, you, no, I heard you. Yeah, you don't like the yeah you don't like the movies yeah. where he's a womanizer, right? Yeah, I hate it. Like yeah. the beginning part almost lost me, and yeah. then I just got turned around. And I was like, "What? This woman doesn't like him because she likes Georgie. I love this. <laughs> it's Yorgi, guys. Yorgi, Yorgi. Oh, Yorgi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved that whole thing like that. It was great. Hey, Yorgi. Uh, well, I think you're gonna like the next one too because this is the year. This is what's weird. Just seeing is the, the reason they did it is this was the first post AIDS epidemic James Bond. So it was a big mm-hmm. thing to keep him from being a womanizer. It was like, hey, look, we're living in this time now, and like you just can't run around having sex with whoever you want. There's consequences, ah. and so they, they that's why they tone that part of the character down and uh, for me i think it helps because sometimes it's just you know the writers you can tell like john said there's it's not someone saying good it's not named, someone named good night or good ed and so you, the writers aren't worried about that kind of stuff and they're writing better stories and not you know uh double entendres i think you know so 
it kind of worked out. So yeah, and she she wasn't wearing ridiculous outfits for where they were. <laughs> she wasn't in the snow wearing a bikini all yeah. of a sudden. You know? <laughs> it, it all made sense, and it was, I thought it was really and You know what's funny? It, you know what's funny? It, it, you point that out. Neither is he. He's wearing like a sweater and a jacket, like he's wearing like yeah. very utilitarian clothing. Through, until he needs to be in a tuxedo for the opera or whatever, but you know he's not running around the desert in a tuxedo yeah. like he is in other movies. You know, the Roger Moore years—he's always in a tux, even in outer space. He's in a tux. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I like that. There's no like crazy location. It's not like at a volcano, at a secret <laughs> island. You know, yeah. it was it was done pretty well. Yeah, it's believable. I, I think we may have found one of Justine's favorite uh, Bond movies, so that's that's lovely. All right, let's let's hit it up with the Coen Brothers. This is Raising Arizona from 1987. Patrick, give us the breakdown, sir. All right, Raising Arizona. This 1987 one hour and 34 minute film uh, directed by the Coen Brothers. A fast paced farce about an owner who go to extreme lengths to have a child when an incompetent robber marries. As a policewoman, they discovered that who appeased his wife longing for a child, the man steals one of a set of quintuplets. But mayhem ensues when the child rich father sends out a rabbit shooting bounty hunter after the kidnapper. That's it. That's uh, it. This received a 7.3 on A and 91% on Rotten Tomatoes with a whopping budget of $6 million. It grossed twenty nine. Point one million worldwide. How about wow. that? How about that? Now this this movie has this movie has. Um, I have great memories of this movie. I saw the preview, dude. I saw the preview of this movie. I wanted to see it. It looked like something that was just out of left field. Um, and they showed the scenes where all the dogs are running through the grocery store. Uh, I remember in the trailer. And I was like, man, I really want to see this movie. Of all the movies my dad would take me to see, I don't know why he picked Raising Arizona. My dad was not a comedy guy. Not at all. And I remember we went to see this, and he could not stop laughing. From the very beginning to the very end, my dad, I, he laughed harder than I that's, ever saw him. That's great. That I, he laughed. So, it, really, it really struck a nerve with him because he, it really tickled his funny bone. He was just from the from the very opening scene to the end. He was just, I mean, he could not stop laughing. So uh, I have great memories of this movie. So uh, tread lightly. That's cool. I'm just kidding. You can you cannot <laughs> like it. The Corn Brothers are obviously not for everybody, but uh, this really doesn't feel. Aside from like the the you know the trappings, it doesn't feel feels like a very modern movie. Uh, doesn't feel doesn't feel like yeah. it was done in the eighties. Aside from the the cars and the, the clothes and stuff, but. Uh, uh, let's talk about it. Let's go with Jake. Jake's our resident comedy guy. He loves all things comedy. Uh, let, so let's go with Jake. Jake, what did you think of this of this movie, of the old Raising Arizona? This, this is what this is how I see Nicolas Cage acting normally. <laughs> is that good or bad? I see him. In, this is what I. This is what I feel like he should be. I just, I don't know. I can't take him seriously. So seeing him in a comedic role is so, it feels so much more natural for him. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought he was great. I was, it's, he's just such a interesting thing. He's smart, but he's a, such an idiot. It's so funny. Yes. 
Very well spoken, but dumb at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he pl- well spoken idiot. There are plenty. He, and he plays it very. He plays it really well. It's a. It's it's an interesting character, and a lot of it is in the facial expressions, and kind of this like downtrodden guy. Um, and it's hard to we we've learned in this in this sh- on this show. It's hard to pull off narration. So that whole like ten minute prologue where he's narrating, uh, I think he does a great job in, in setting the table for the rest of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you he definitely uh, sets the first ten minutes? Did you enjoy the the entire? Did you enjoy this style of humor? Yeah, I I can yeah I can get behind it. I can dig it. Yeah. Have it's you, just so it's, so it's so out there and just so absurd. You hadn't seen it before. How he falls in love. No, not at all. And him falling in love with corrections, police officer, correction, whatever she was doing thing. Yeah, yeah. Police officer. Yeah, falls in love with a police officer who then can't have babies. And then she's like, well... Guess we got to steal one. <laughs> I was actually really sad. Yeah, it's oh. I thought it was sad, like because of his history. Yeah. Oh, that made me really. I felt. I felt for them. I felt really sad about that. That's why the. That's why the. That's why that ending scene with 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 Mr. Arizona is so good. Um, they, Ugh, they they really yes. they really they really bring. There's some heart in this movie. I mean, it is a lot of wackiness and kids writing fart on the wall and and you know you know pantyhose on the head and all that but there's a lot of heart here too and uh it's it's really if you think about it it's up without the wife dying <laughs> you know it's what could have happened in up if if the wife hadn't died um <laughs> we, we could have been, we stolen, we <laughs> stolen a baby but uh so yeah jake I'm, all, jake I'm always i'm always like i'm always uh interested in, in your takes on different comedies because i know that you know that you're you 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 do like a lot of comedies. So I was I wasn't sure if you had seen this before because you said your mom liked a lot of movies from the '80s, and you watched a lot of them. And uh, this to me is is always like one of my favorite '80s movies of all. Um, and it's it, it's a movie that kind of like it's it goes un, unmentioned in a lot of conversations about '80s movies. So especially '80s comedies. So I'm, I'm glad you liked it. And uh, let's talk to Justine because Justine, you sound like you had. a like an an emotional response to this movie. Yeah, I've never seen this movie and it's actually I think out of the 80s films. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done really well. Mm-hmm. For it being so like um goofy, it still was shot. I thought the shots were kind of beautiful. It just looked really nice. Um but Nicolas Cage, I've never seen him act like that and I thought it was really good. Like he's a great actor cuz I don't know. I've just never seen him play that goofy. And how does he do that with his eyes? Like, look like he's doing that. It's crazy. If you're and his voice, it's just. If you only you know how he normally is. If yes. I didn't know who, like how he was. You're like whatever. You know. Yeah. If you but only know so over the top Nicholas Cage from you know Face Off or whatever, this is a this is kind of a revelation. Yeah, and it just shows his range, and I love it. But I would say if that was his breaking role, like no one would really know that yet, you know. It, um, it was kind of a breakout role for him because before this, he had done a movie called Valley Girl, 
and he had done he had a bit mm-hmm. part in uh, Fast Times. He was working in the kitchen with Judge Reinhold uh, in in Fast Times and, and Rumblefish. I think he had done Rumblefish for his uncle. Yeah, for his uncle Francis but Ford Coppola. I don't think he'd had a lead role. This is like his first lead role, and it's Holly Hunter's first lead role too. I think. You know what's weird about Holly Hunter? I looked up her age because you cannot tell how old Holly Hunter is in this movie. She, you know, she could be. No. Uh, I think she was twenty nine. She was like in late twenties, mm. um, but she seems yeah. much more mature. Um, not old, but she seems like a very old soul in this movie. You know, like. Uh, yeah. th- there's a lot of world weariness in these characters when you, you know, by the time you kind of see them, what does he say? He says, I, I predicted a no return of the salad days. So you only get them, you only get that in the, that beginning prologue, that first 10 minutes. It's amazing that you forget that you haven't even seen the credits, right? Cause he's telling you the story yeah. and you're immediately sucked, sucked in. And then, uh, you're like, Oh my God, the credits, like this movie hasn't even started yet. Uh, I love the way they showed the credits too. I haven't seen it done like that before you I, I don't know i just was all of the shots i thought were was done really well i've never really paid attention to a cohen brothers film like i've never known what was a cohen brother film well they're all different know, that's a thing they're all different they, they all have this- i know that like people want to work with them i know that people love their films but i've never ever i don't I don't oh, even know if I've John is, I've seen one. John is burn after reading. John is burn, burn after, after reading, reading the uh, Coen Brothers film. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so yeah, that is a Coen Brothers. So you have seen one, Justine. And I yeah. love that movie. <laughs> they definitely have. Well known, have you seen? Uh, how about Fargo? You've seen yes. Fargo? Yes. Some well known. I love Fargo. I feel like um, I'm like learning Hello? that I love their we, film. We, we can hear you, Patrick. Oh, uh, you can hear. Never mind. It's cool. No, go ahead, Justine. You you're saying you you you. I'm I'm learning that I'm I just never realized that I love their film. I yeah. like the way they're shot. Mm-hmm. I love the way they tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing is great. I know this is a goofy movie, but I thought it was done really well. Um, it's it's just the way they shot. Huh? It's I was gonna say it's very well written, and the characters all have they're they're all great characters. And the yeah. Coen brothers know how to cast people that look interesting, like all the people in the bank, all the like the all the prison uh, officials. Like they all have a look. Like everybody in the store, you know, mm-hmm. every the, the they cast faces. They're like, um, the, you know, they're kind of like the old, uh, like John, like John and I would say, like Frank Capra or somebody would cast people for the way they look because they had a certain look about them. And the Coen brothers definitely do that too. And you're right; they're all shot a certain way. All, the, especially their later stuff, like "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" is a beautiful looking movie. Um, I've seen that movie too. Yeah, and they, <laughs> but they just, just like um, there's a scene where she's running out of the bank with the baby, and um, the guy, the motorcycle guy, is chasing. Uh, I forgot his name already. Um, oh, Smalls is yes. chasing after her, and they have this fence that's just um, spaced out well. And then they have the wooden uh, floor that she's running across, and I just thought it was beautiful. Like I don't know why I caught that, but no, it's, that's um, what they do. They, they they compose these shots, and they they're friends with Sam Raimi, um, who did the original Spider-Man movies and did you know Evil Dead and all that. So they get those really wacky extreme camera angles where like cameras, you know, the cameras mounted on the front end of the motorcycle, and it goes into the bedroom when you know he's dreaming. 
you know, and yeah. that you've got all these crazy. Um, you can tell they like that, you know, they're friends with Sam Raimi and that, you know, cause he does a lot of crazy angles like that. And it's really kind of just, you know, um, go ahead, you know, John. The first, uh, I was gonna say the first three movies they did, the cinematographer is uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. He did raising Arizona and blood simple and Miller's crossing. And he goes on to become a director. He does get shorty men in black and the Adams family. And so he's got a, you can tell from all those movies that he's got a really unique way of shooting things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's from the point of view of the character. (laughs) So, yeah, there's, there's all, there's all those really great scenes in the trailer and the way the trailer is so small and they have to space out the conversations with like John Goodman and Holly Hunter and like Nicholas Cage will be in the foreground looking at Holly Mm -hmm. Hunter who you can't see. And you can see him reacting to what they're saying behind him. Like it's all shot really well, you know? Yeah, and at the first moment that I noticed that the way it was shot and the way that they were um, um, portraying everything on the screen Mm -hmm. was when they were in the um, the playroom or what do you call that the baby's room? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the nursery. They chose the floor to be this bright blue, (laughs) but it worked really well. Like that royal blue worked really well because I'm like, wow, this is kids room and normally you wouldn't see like their floor like that and and it but it made him pop out and stand out with his like khaki pants like it all worked really well for me and it was all eye pleasing mm-hmm. also the um the jokes landed really well with me too um i really love um <laughs> what's his name from roseanne i forgot it. oh john, john goodman. goodman john goodman mm-hmm. yeah i love him and he <laughs> i cracked up and Honestly, all of the comedy, like, I felt like it worked really well for me, Um, especially when he narrates that then they went back to prison. I can't even say it right. When they are heading back into prison because they weren't ready for the real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Like, I love that humor. I was like, this is just this is great. I just and I didn't know it was a Coen Brothers film until the ending. Oh, nice. Wow. Nice. I wasn't paying attention to the director part. I was just looking at the, like, how they did the screen of Raising Arizona and showing that sunset and the, and the wording. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't paying attention to the words or the names. And at the end, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is what everyone's talking about. This yeah. is a Coen Brothers <laughs> film. And I, I, honest, I was like, whoa, I just watched a Coen Brothers <laughs> film. But apparently, I've always watched a Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. But, and I've loved it. I mean, all the movies you guys mentioned, I was like, oh, I love all those movies. But yeah. tying it all together now, I'm like, oh, now I can get excited when they have a movie. Well, you know, what's, you know what it is with a Coen Brothers movie? Nine times out of ten, you're going to see something. It's like Quentin Tarantino. You know, you're going to see something very different that you've never seen before. And, you know, you're going to see yeah. a story told in a way that you've never seen it told before. Or I like you know, the way they tell their stories. It's it's interesting. Um, it has that goofy element. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it also had like this. When they're sitting, when the, um, oh, I've already forgot his name. Nathan Arizona, I'm guessing, is the father's name? Nathan Arizona Sr. Yeah, Nathan Sr. When him and his wife are sitting at their own separate chairs and they're just listening to the sound upstairs and they look up, um, the way that it was parallel just reminded me of a Wes Anderson film. Oh, kind of. Kind of like the the way they're framed. um, Yeah, and then I started like paying attention to the way everything was framed. I'm like, oh, it's not entirely like that, but the way they shot everything, 
the way they shot this movie felt really modern for an 80s film. Yes, exactly. Um, it was just done so well. Um, it was out there, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I, okay, so the part that I, I thought they would address was the Woody Woodpecker tattoo. <laughs> he sees it on the guy. I thought he would like show his so he wouldn't get beat up, but that wasn't the case. He just blew him up. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm done loving on this film. Uh, okay I then. Read more. I would have read more trivia, but I had to sleep, so I couldn't do it. Uh, I'll, we'll go. We'll go on to uh, to to Patrick. Patrick, what did you think? Um, I love this film. Uh, I am a complete fan of Coen Brothers films. Uh, they made some of my favorite movies like Big Lebowski, Inside Lewin Davis, Hail Caesar, you know, No Country for Old Man, Fargo, like all of those films. I love their cinematography and the way they shoot their films. Mm-hmm. And they always tell like a dark black comedy story for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite genres of filmmaking. Um, oh, by the so way, I speaking of black seen- comedies, did you notice, did you guys notice in the bathroom when he's trailing, uh, when he is trailing uh, John Goodman, when, when Randall Tex Cobb, when Leonard Smalls is trailing John Goodman and uh, and his mm-hmm. brother, and he breaks down the door in that bathroom, that it says P O E O P E on the door. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> little reference yep. to a little reference to uh, to Kubrick and to uh, Doctor Strangelove there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Patrick. I wanted to. Uh, no, no, it's fine. It's um, I I hadn't seen this in a really long time. I saw it when I was much younger, so it's not like one of the ones that really stands out from my memory uh, from watching Coen Brothers films. But this is definitely up there for me. I think it's really well shot, and Nicolas Cage does a wonderful job, and. I don't think he gets enough credit as an actor if this is a good example of what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a hilarious movie. It's it's dark, it's witty, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I think my favorite of all things, because there's so much stuff in here going on in the background where, you know, like they have the guy that says um, – as you know, in the in the in the prologue, he keeps saying, "Don't forget his fingerprints, Ed. Don't forget his uh, don't forget his picture, Ed." You know, they're, when they're every time yeah. he gets thrown back in jail. Later on, when you hear when when the, that hilarious scene where they're chasing him for the diapers, and the cop just will not stop shooting, like the cops just shooting from the time <laughs> they pull up to the convenience store. That you know, he gets to the house. You hear the cop. The, the you see him start shooting at the house. And uh, you hear him say, "That's private property, Doug." And it's the same guy; <laughs> it's the same <laughs> voice as the cop. So there's a lot of really like jokes that are in there that you might not catch the first time. There's a lot of layers to it, um, but it definitely does have a Coen Brothers feel to it. Patrick, you're right. Yeah, they- and it, it's an all star cast for sure. Like the cast is amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really really. You good. get to see early Francis McDormand. You get to see. Uh, the pregnant sheriff from Fargo. She's the. Um, mm-hmm. She's the. What's her name? Uh, she's a tiger. T i g dot. dot. That's right. Dot. <laughs> what a great name, uh, Glenn and Dot. That's so perfect. The one thing I can't yeah. figure out is why everybody in Arizona has a southern accent. But other than that, I'm going to go with it. Uh, <laughs> 
these balloons blow up into funny shapes. Uh, not unless you think round is funny. Oh God! That <laughs> and then they, that then he goes, "I bought a pack of balloons," and John goes, "Like do they blow up into funny shapes." <laughs> it's so good, and like I, it's it's always nice to see when John because like it's cool because they pull a lot of the same actors mm-hmm. when they make their movies. They like to work with these people over and over again, and. It's so wonderful when they pop up. Like you get John Goodman in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And mm-hmm. He just—I mean, he damn near steals that. <laughs> or you get him. In, but it's just—you get him in something like Barton Fink, where he's totally—you're like, whoa, yeah. you know, like you know, yeah. it, it's scary. Like they did such a wonderful job, um, and like it's this movie is fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you liked it, Patrick. All right, John. John, you're a big, uh, probably one of the biggest Coen Brothers fans that I know of, and you were you were yeah. talking about them very early on. Uh, you know, you were already a fan when I met you, I think, and they were like maybe three movies in. Uh, so, uh, what? I mean, where does this fall for you? Oh, this has got to be one of the all time greats, one of the top five, and this is only their second movie. The first one. Uh, First one was Blood Simple. I saw that. That wasn't playing everywhere. I, I kept reading these great reviews, so I drove out to Hollywood to see uh, Blood Simple. And it was so great that I just made a note of their names. I thought, from now on, if I see the Coen brothers mentioned on a review, I'm going to go see it, you know, sight unseen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was only their second film. <laughs> and uh, after this was Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink. I mean, they just kept on coming. They, you know, they just one after the other. They're all fascinating movies shot really in a unique fashion mm-hmm. and uh their movies don't look like anybody else's movies you know no, like no, uh, they're very unique like wes anderson and like you know uh people like terry gilliam and uh you know the better um tim burton movies you've got to say that they've got a unique way of, of looking at things and that nobody else shoots a movie quite like it and i think there have been people that have been influenced by the coen brothers I think somebody like Wes Anderson had to be very familiar with the Coen brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, like Justine says, it looks modern. It doesn't look dated. That's probably why, because this was the start of a way of uh, shooting films. And a lot of people have just sort of followed in their footsteps, you know? Yeah. But um, they've done every genre you can think of. They've done, you know, uh, dark comedies and they've done, uh, you know, dramas and, uh, historical pieces you know my god true grit you know doing that remake of true grit they've just tried their hand at every genre there is and they uh it always ends up feeling like a coen brothers movie you know yeah which is a good thing yeah but i uh, know this is uh you know this is the fir- one of the first big movies for nicholas cage and holly hunter you know yeah uh i think like a, a year after this he does moonlight uh what was it with a share moonlighting moonlight? uh, Moonli- Moon- uh moonstruck, moonstruck. Not moonlighting. That was Bruce Willis. And uh, I think a couple years after this, Holly Hunter does broadcast news, so they both went on to the bigger things. But uh, the thing, the thing that struck me from the first time I saw this, I think John Goodman had not. Uh, Roseanne was like a year after this, so I think people were not familiar with John Goodman. And when I left the theater with my buddy, I said, "Man, that, the, the big guy playing the convict was just hilarious." You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just all the little touches, you know, uh, when they, th- they think that they've left the baby on the, t- on the top of the car, <laughs> it's just too much. They shift their whole mentality of going, Oh, we're going to sell this baby. To- it's our baby. 
the way they fall. They, I love the way they fall in love with the baby. How uh, William Forsythe yeah. is just like, you know, we're not going to give him up, are we? Can we call him little Gale? <laughs> oh, man. I think he had himself Everybody a little old accident. With that kid. Yeah. And what a great kid. That kid's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> God, that scene where the, the, uh, the car pulls up right like just a half an inch away from the from the baby carrier. What about when Smalls <laughs> like, picks him up with his motorcycle? <laughs> oh my god! And uh, puts him on the front of the handlebars. That's just yeah. crazy. Uh, uh, too much. And boy, they really—he just makes so many great entrances. You know, when he walks in to the uh, furniture shop and, and scratches the match on the side of the table. <laughs> well, his first entrance where he's in the dream and he shoots the lizard uh, and blows up the bunny. Uh, man, when I was yeah. like, when I first saw this, I could not stop laughing at like the bunny blowing oh, up Christ. and then the lizard just getting <laughs> shot off the rock. Like that's just so, <laughs> oh, oh my man, God. I, I, I remember just, I, it, it's a great memory for me because my dad just loved it and just could not stop laughing. He just, he, he bought into it a hundred percent and, yeah. uh, and just, you yeah. know, so, you know, that says something that, you know, a movie like that could reach somebody who doesn't, it's not necessarily their genre, you know. Uh, it's like me yeah. with Singing in the Rain. I'm not a musicals guy, but you, you see something that's that perfect and it's like, well, I, you just, you just appreciate it, whether that's, it's your genre yeah. or not, you know. So, uh, when something is that good, when something's that good and that unique, it just rises above all expectations, you know? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, because at, at, the, at the time, what I thought, when I, the first time I saw it, I thought this looks like uh, like a live action cartoon. You yes. Know? Yeah. It's yeah got it was some, like a comic strip for sure. You know, it's got some dark themes and it's got some heart, but the way they shoot it is like a cartoon and it's perfect. And so what that ends up being, it, it ends, you know, so many cartoons are like sort of. Um, so many of the old Warner Brothers cartoons are a tip of the hat to like Buster Keaton's visual style. This thing ends up sort of in a roundabout way, also kind of mirroring that sort of perfectly uh, framed Buster Keaton style. You know, the Coen brothers know exactly how to frame a shot. Well, if and you that's what they, you know, that's what they always said about Keaton was he knows exactly where to put the camera for the maximum maximum laugh. Factor, well, you if you, a good example, brilliant example of that is the fight inside the trailer. Um, just yeah. where the where where Nicholas Cage scrapes his fingers on the ceiling and he screams and there's no room and like John John goes like pushing his elbow through the window because he's trying to to cock his arm back to punch him and uh, you know going flying through the walls and all that stuff and then that camera yeah. angle where he's got him in the face he's like he's got his mm. he's got his hands in his face and he's spinning him around in a circle and. You know, John yeah. is whacking him with a stick. Oh my god, it's the best! Uh, this movie yeah. just makes me laugh. Like I never get tired of watching this movie. Uh, no, every shot, every shot is a gem. You know, when that when the when Dot and Glenn visit, and all the kids are just running through the house, just beating everything up. It's just perfectly framed. You know, one yeah. kid's just hitting stuff with a bat. The other kid is squirting stuff with a squirt gun. It just looks like chaos. What about know? our old friend M. Emmett Walsh? Is the guy going? Not that mo Bill Parker, not that mother scratcher. What about that guy? Oh, when he's the, the five minutes oh. he's in it, fantastic. And then my my all time favorite oh. thing is his cellmate who keeps talking about cooking, uh, eating crawdads. And uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lines is he says, "When there was no meat, we we ate foul. When there was no foul, 
I forgot we ate we ate uh, we ate birds. When there was no birds, we ate sand. You ate what? We ate sand. And then the next one you hear, the next night when he gets back in jail, it's the same cellmate, and he's going. He goes, and then I decided to make my own crawdads. And then, no, that's what he says. We ate no, we ate no bird. When there was no bird, we ate fowl. When there was no fowl, we ate crawdads. And when there was no crawdads, we ate sand. And then the next time he says, he says, but only, he goes, and then I decided to make my own crawdad. And I threw it in the pot, only without the water. And it was just like making popcorn. <laughs> yeah. It always there's makes a million. Me- there's a million moments, you know. There's a million like little touches, little you know? throwaway moments. Yeah, little every scene. I think the, the I thing really I love like is a... uh, when they break in to the house, and the next morning they're eating cereal, and he goes, "Awful good cereal flakes, man." <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things I love about Coen Brothers films is when they write their characters, even the most. It, idiotic and stupid character is intelligent yes. and the way they speak is intelligent mm-hmm. so that writing really works for them and you can immediately tell you're in one of their movies because of the way the characters are talking yes well it's that whole thing about it's you know when they when they rob the farmer the the bank and it's supposed to be this hayseeds he's like freeze drop to the gun he's like well which is it sonny you want me to freeze or you want me to drop because if i drop <laughs> i can't freeze because i'll be in motion <laughs> Like they do, when they do like, such a good job with their characters. Where are the tellers? He starts panicking. <laughs> Where are the tellers? Where the hell are all the tellers? We're down here. <laughs> <laughs> and then back in the car, he's all, boy, that old timer really threw me with that question. Otherwise, it would have gone smooth as silk. You know? Well, John, John, what does that scene remind you of when he holds up the old man? At the, when, he, when he asks him, you know, are balloons, are, do they blow up into funny shapes or whatever? That scene mirrors... No country for old men. It's the same setup. Oh yeah. When he walks yeah, in, and right. it, 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 the guy even kind of reminds me of that guy. You know, yeah. that, that was that. that yeah. I felt like that was a callback to their own work. When when I saw that scene, I was like, yeah. oh, this is just like yeah. the scene in Raising Arizona. You know. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they do that. I think they do that because they've definitely got like recall. You can tell when they're doing a tip of a hat. They really know their movies. Like like you caught that thing on the wall, the graffiti. That you'd have to be a Kubrick fan. To, to remember that that's that's from Doctor Strangelove, <laughs> but uh, they seem to have an encyclopedic knowledge of other films because their their films are just packed with with homages to uh to films that they love, you know. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm like glad, Tarantino. I, I'm glad you liked it, and Justine, like you really pointed out that like that last scene with uh, with Mister Arizona is 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 really oh, that you know where he broke my heart. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and you know what is he telling me? He says, you know, just remember, you guys have each other, and before you go do something stupid like break up, you know, you better sleep on it, because it shows you that He's he like, has oh, heart. Splitting up. It, it shows you that he has heart. You know, um, I do yeah. love that at the end. He goes, look, if you don't want the money, we can give you a line of credit <laughs> at our store. You know, like. Um, he's still a businessman. I prefer to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's just, he's still a businessman. Uh, he's still kind of shifty. One of my all-time favorite lines in all movies comes from this. He's like, "What were the? What was he wearing? I don't know. He was wearing his jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good stuff. All right, yeah. let's rank it, guys. Let's rank Raising Arizona. John, what do you give it? I give it a ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching it again, uh, you know, 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm, we'll see when we get around to it. But it was, Patrick, what do you say? Um, this movie's a ten. I have no complaints. I think it's beautiful. The story is intriguing, engaging, um, and I don't think it gets enough love. Uh, Justine, nine and a half, nine point five, ruining it, <laughs> ruining it for everybody. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, that's good for you. Look, this is a good week for you. I'm not gonna be mad. Jake, this was all um, it was all fresh and entertaining. Jake, what do you say, buddy? I give this an eight and a half. Eight and a half. I'm gonna go nine. I'm gonna go nine on this one. I'm gonna go nine. Uh, yeah, um, I love it. I, I do love it. Uh, there are, are there other Coen Brothers. I don't know what keeps it from being a ten, but there are other movies that Coen Brothers. There are other Coen Brothers movies that I would give Coen Brothers movies. I would give a ten. To, and I don't think I think that's why I'm, I'm giving it a nine because I'm comparing it to other movies that I know are going to get a ten. So I think that's what it is. But uh, no, you Nicole- know, when you look at their film, when you look at their filmography, it's amazing how many of them are like perfect films. You yeah. know, it, I can only think of like two or three that I'm not crazy about, and the rest are just knocking it out of the park. You know, yeah, and uh, you know those two or three, you know, they just you know for the run they had. You, that that's no that's no small feat. That's a you, drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you guys liked it though. It's it's always one of my favorites, and I have such good memories of it. Um, that uh, yeah, I'll never forget that as long as I live. How hard I never I honestly never heard my dad laugh that hard for that long. Um, literally, just you know, like just holding his stomach and le- you know because he was laughing so hard. Um, so wow, yeah, it just and what then, a great memory. Yeah, and that made me laugh even harder, you know, because then. You know, it was just silly. You know, that whole chasing is like a Three Stooges movie, you know? Yeah. And uh, it just made me laugh. And everybody's, it's so great because everybody's got guns. And, uh, you know, uh, and so it, it, it's typical of what, what we would expect. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys liked it. And the soundtrack, by the way, where they're doing the, um, the, the she's singing the murder of Rose Connolly, you know, that as a lullaby. <laughs> And she's singing it as a lullaby, and it's so haunting when when you hear it when when you know you it keeps coming up as a theme, and it's uh it's, yeah. it's kind of a haunting melody, you know. And uh, uh, the Chieftains actually do a really beautiful cover of that song, by the way. Um, if you ever want to hear that song, mm-hmm. but the Chieftains, uh, the Irish, ah. yeah, they do a really great uh, cover of that song. But yeah, that is such a haunting melody when she's when he wakes up from the nightmare and she's singing it to the baby. And uh, yeah. man, Holly Hunter's so good in this. Uh, One of my yeah. favorite lines from this movie is, "It ain't armed robbery if there's no bullets in the gun." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I quote this movie a lot without realizing that I quote this movie. I say things like, "I love to drive," and uh, so many social engagements, so little time. <laughs> the way John Goodman says, that. <laughs> "Need a beer, Glenn? Does the Pope wear a funny hat?" Yeah. Oh my God, Glenn is the I worst. Love how he's all. Yeah, I guess he does, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, okay, line, then. The line, the line I quoted the most was. Uh, when he goes, <laughs> you want to know where there's a Dunkin' Donuts? Call a cop. You want to know where the baby is? You call me. <laughs> That's it. Okay then. Okay then. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, you're not just telling us what you want to hear, are you? No, sir. Because we just want to hear the truth. Then I guess I am telling you what you want to hear. Didn't we just tell you not to do that? Okay then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> their wedding. What about their wedding? Is fantastic. Just that quick yeah, shot yeah. of the of all criminals. They're all wearing all the criminals wearing Hawaiian shirts. And uh, yeah. I love when he goes in to propose and he's like, "Howdy, Kurt." The guy's like getting booked. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. Good job, guys. Great week. Great week this week. Good week. Good week for movies. Uh, what's coming up next week, Justine? I have it split up because you were moving things around. Okay. So I'm not sure the order, but I have the Untouchables, Full Metal Jacket, and The Running Man. Um, so I'm not sure which order. I believe that's all. That's all. Hold on one second. Let me check my notes. Because when I typed it all in, you moved things around so I had to move it out of that area. Um, and it kind of changed my the whole order. First of all, I really don't like the host taking any sort of blame. So let's just. Why? It's your goddamn fault. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's with the blasphemy, man? <laughs> well, all right then. Well, okay then. Cutting off a short leash, don't she, H.I.? H.I. <laughs> McDonough. Uh, freaking when they're first discussing their plan, the first thing he says is, now y'all would see if you cast the first stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's it's all it's all so well written. Yeah, it's definitely like the script sells it for me. Like that's what makes it such a good. There's piece. almost it's like a dialogue. poetry to the way the characters talk. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a poetry, you know. Uh, what does he say in the beginning? Uh, he says he says he explained that her insides were a rocky perch or were a rocky place where my seeds could find no perch. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, you know, you know what it is? You know what it is? It's next week. Oh, get excited, you guys. Next week, it's The Untouchables and Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh. Get them to the chopper. The Untouchables and Predator. So we're going uh, Justine says uh, she can hear us, but we can't hear her. Bye, Justine. Bye, Justine. Well, we're going to wrap it up, guys. So we're going to watch. Yeah. The Untouchables and Predator. Justine, we love you. Thank you for contributing to the show this week. As always, you are fantastic. Uh, you're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the third in line of succession. In case I ever go down, John Sandy takes over. Then after that, it's uh, Justine. And then after that, it's uh, Patrick and, and Jake fight it out to the death. Star Trek style. Uh, Pawn Far style. You know what I'm talking about? And... Uh, now Justine says, great week. It was a great week. John, Justine, no. for no. John, for Jake, for Justine, for Patrick, for Jake. We say, did I say Jake twice? I feel like I did. Don't. But what we're going to say is we're going to say that this transmission ends now. And we're going to ask you to fight the power. Until next time, guys. Adios. Adios.